Horizon. I'm Ann Malone. Usually one of the pastors does the opening, and we will light the candles. <laughs> this morning, though, is a little different. Um, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and so today we've decided to make it Pastor Appreciation Day, and we're thanking our three pastors for all that they do for us. If two of the three would come. Pastor Peyton is over in our mission building leading our first mission uh, worship service at 10 o'clock, and they are actually worshiping and packing bags for Nourishing Lives, learning all about that particular mission work of our church. So you know Pastor Rafe, he's our senior pastor, and uh, he tries to guide us and lead us, and most of the time we try to follow as diligently as we can. Sometimes it doesn't work out real well, but we try. Pastor Lisa leads our uh, small group studies, and uh, she's the one that, you know, can arrange Bible studies. If you're interested in learning more about God's Word, she's the one you should see. Pastor Peyton, as you know, leads our children and youth department and um, heads up our Nourishing Lives that is currently feeding families. So everybody's busy all the time. You may think, sure, you know, I work a nine-to-five job, I go home, and, and you get to rest and relax. With pastors, it doesn't work that way. It's 24-7. So even when they're off, they're not really off. So we just want to take a few minutes to, or you're really off. You could go either way. Um, we just want to take a few minutes to say thank you and uh, just we're very, very thankful that they are here with us. We've got a good team, and, and we just want to say thanks. So if you'll, thank you. If you'll bow your heads, um, and we'll say a prayer over our pastors. Father God, we just thank you this morning, God, for being the God you are. We thank you for our pastors that has such a challenging task to do, Lord, but yet you call them to do this. And they do it with such a willing heart, Lord. And we know it's not easy just dealing with us folks, Lord, but you do it because you have called them for this position. And Lord, we just want to just bless them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we just lift up a standard that will bring glory to your name. Each time they do things for your glory, Lord, that you will get that glory. We pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So uh, let's, uh, let's see how good you are at following the lead of your pastors. Will you stand and join me in the call to worship? There we go. Here we go. Uh, prepare the way for the one who comes. Are you ready to repent and believe? The call to discipleship carries with it costs, obedience, sacrifice, commitment. Let's sing together, ye servants of God.
Good morning. If you'll bow your heads in prayer with me this morning. Holy God, you have given us this sacred space and time. And we enter it with expectation. Expectation of your coming. Expectation of hearing you speak to us a word for our lives that is new and renewing expectation of being challenged and changed. But Lord, if we're honest, we know we are a people of many distractions, pulled in different directions, responding to multiple and often conflicting needs and ideas. Grant us rest as we rely on your provision and faith as we trust in your grace. Quiet our spirits so that we might hear your spirit speaking to us. We thank you for the gifts of Sabbath and worship. For a space and a time to set everything aside that tugs at us and instead focus our hearts and our minds on you. Draw us more deeply into your presence. We lay aside any expectation of being entertained of being made comfortable, of being served rather than serving others. Your kingdom is near, and you have entrusted to us, your church, the responsibility of exemplifying the love, forgiveness, justice, compassion, and peace that are signs of your kingdom. May we embody your kingdom with faithfulness and joy, we pray. And we do this as your son taught us to. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen.
As you know, every week we try to give you a mission moment, not to tell you that you have to do everything that this church is involved in, but connect you in ways that you can give and serve and be a part of this church and be engaged with us in worship. Um, this is probably something you've never actually heard from the pulpit in a mission moment. We have a Samaritan fund. And what that is, it's a little bit of um, cash set aside for, for example, um, a woman was lost. She had come up to Broward County to visit her sister and gotten lost and turned around. And she didn't have gas money to get home. And so we were able to give her a little gas money. Um, when people can't quite meet that whole electric bill, we're able to help them, um, or that water bill, or the rent, or whatever it is. And so traditionally what we've done is collected at Azure and Communion, and you come up and you lay it down on the altar. But as you know, the way we currently worship, that doesn't actually happen. And so this fund has gotten severely depleted over the past um, 18 months or so. So if it's something that you can help with, if you feel like that's a call on your heart, um, please go ahead and give online um, and just label it Samaritan Fund. Leave it here on the altar if you wish before you leave today, or just write on your check Samaritan Fund. Thank you. Good morning, good morning. What a great day to be together. I want to share with you from the Gospel of Mark. We said we'd be in the 10th chapter for a few weeks, and so I hope that you've read the 10th chapter of Mark, or maybe even better, read the entire Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the four Gospels. You can, you can probably knock it out pretty easily. But from Mark chapter 10, at verse 35, we have these words. James and John, Zebedee's sons, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> Boy, that took some guts, didn't it? <laughs> what do you want 
me to do for you, Jesus asked. They said, allow one of us to sit on your right and the other on your left when you enter into your glory. And Jesus replied, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or receive the baptism I receive? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will. You will drink the cup I drink and receive the baptism I receive. But to sit at my right or my left hand isn't mine to give you. It belongs to those for whom it has been prepared. Now, when the other ten disciples heard about this, they became angry with James and John. Jesus called them over and said, You know, you know the, that the ones who are considered the rulers by the Gentiles show off their authority over them, and their high-ranking officials order them around. But that's not the way it will be with you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. Amen. Most gracious God, May your word liberate us today. May it lift us. May it move us. And may we uh, follow after the example of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who came in order to serve. Amen and amen. Well, hi, I'm Pastor Ray Vigil. I'll be your preacher today. What can I start you off with? <laughs> can, I, can I maybe uh, start you off with a, with a little joke? Or, or perhaps you'd like to have a, re, a reflection on the, uh, on, on the Scripture or maybe the historical context in which this Scripture was. Can I, or maybe you would just like to skip right ahead to the sweets and get the personal application. Right? You know, did you hear that in Jesus? What can I do for you? It's like Jesus is taking on the part of a waiter, you know, can I bring you a glass of water? Can I start you off? You know, Jesus started off just like that. What can I, what can I do for you? Jesus is like a waiter. What do we call waiters? What do we call them? Servers. Servers. And that's exactly how Jesus sounds in this. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? How can I serve you? Boy, that took some guts on James and John's part, right? The king of kings, the king of the kingdom is here in your presence. You recognize something is going to happen, and their question is, hey, we want you to do something for us, you know? And Jesus is like, you know, well, what can I do for you, James and John? How can I serve you? How can I wait on you? You know, what else can I, can I do for you today? You know, James and John in this were, they were asking for some sort of, worldly achievement. They were looking at what the world or the culture around them values. And what they valued, what the culture valued was this hierarchy, this getting to a certain point. 
and they recognized that what Jesus was doing was revolutionary. It was going to turn some things over. There's going to be a revolution. And when a revolution happens and Jesus is in charge of things, we want to be the generals on the right and the left, you know. We want to be the ones that are recognized and the ones that are noticed. We want to be the ones that are right up there with them when, you know, the glory comes. We want to be the ones right there on the right and the left. They wanted to, to be noticed because, you know, that's what the culture valued was authority and power and those who had it. And so you want to connect yourselves to people of power because that's how you're going to make your way in and have more glory. And that's what James and John wanted. And that's kind of like a form of envy, isn't it? Doesn't that sound like envy to want what the culture valued to decide to desire what we see others have and others you know are gaining to want that recognition James and John wanted to be the great disciples not just disciples but the the great ones the the great apostles and Jesus had to deal with it he said look okay this is the way the culture is right they have these leaders, they have these authorities, it creates this. He had to deal with it because they were already starting to have conflict within their, his own little group. When the ten heard about it, they got angry, you know, there starts to be a little conflict. You know, Jesus has to deal with the conflict that's happening there. He says, look, you're, it's not about what everybody else has and wanting what they have. That's a form of envy. Jesus begins to address what's happening there. You know, and I know we've all been there, right? A little bit of envy. We see somebody else has got it. Somebody else has a little bit of glory. Somebody else has a little bit, and, and we want it. You know, we've all been there. I have. I have, and, you know, here it is, Pastor Appreciation Day, and I'm going to do the confession, you know, on pastoral, uh, pastoral envy, right? I, I went to serve this church one time. It was a church that had been around for a while, had a beautiful, very traditional-looking uh, church, you know, stairs walking up, going in, big white doors, you know, a steeple, all that kind of stuff. But out in front in the churchyard, they had this brand new, gigantic new church sign and lights on it and, and you know, new designs in it and everything and very, you know, contemporary looking. And it was huge. And I said, the architecture of this church, what's with the sign? Why the sign? He says, well, did you see the Baptist church sign across the street? Everybody sees them. We want to make sure we were noticed too. You know, they had sign envy. They, they, they had sign envy. And while I was uh, serving that church at that time, you know, I had been in the ministry a, a little bit. I had been in the ministry a few years. I had some experience. You know, maybe I, I knew a little bit about what I was doing. But what was happening is that some of my peers, some of my generation of those that I'd come into the ministry with through that, through that ministry process, um, they were beginning to be assigned into uh, churches that were grand churches and these big, wonderful churches. Or they were assigned into communities that were exploding with population growth. And so their churches were exploding. Or maybe some of them were getting these, these really cool ministries and these, these cutting-edge kind of stuff that was, that was happening out there. You know, this is like the, the 90s and the uh, 2000s when that mega church thing was a thing, you know, and, and churches were exploding and getting real big. And I was like, man, if I could be in one of those churches like some of my friends were, they were, some of them were even publishing books, you know, and, and writing things and doing stuff. And, uh, and they were getting uh, noticed and they were getting roles in our United Methodist system that was recognized and they were being noticed. 
And so there's this explosion going on. I was like, man, if I could get some of that, if I could be a part of that, you know, like my church with sign envy, you know, I see my, my contemporaries and those that I've, I've come through school with and such, they're being noticed and being recognized and getting these grand churches, and that would be something for me. But I realized really quickly that some of my friends, uh, man, they were working pretty hard, and I didn't want to work that hard. You know, and, uh, and what I found is they, they were getting, some of them getting assigned, and just, you know, here it is, this beautiful grand thing. And what, what was I getting assigned? I was getting assigned to a, a, a dysfunction and unhealthy places that had sign envy from the Baptist across the street. You know, and, uh, and that was my lot. And so I was serving in this conflict and this dysfunction. I would spend years, in fact, I think I won an entire decade, with never ever even getting a raise, much less any kind of recognition or notice. And everything I was being asked to do by our conference, it was kind of under the radar. Nobody noticed. So I said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll write me a book. And so I, I wrote the first chapter, and I kind of sketched out the rest of it. I put the first chapter down, you know, after I wrote it. And I kind of sketched the rest out. It was going to be something to, to help uh, pastors guide through uh, teaching confirmation and working with uh, young people. And uh, so after I put that first chapter down and worked on some other parts of it, I came back to that first chapter to pick it up and, and read it. And I didn't even want to read it. So I knew nobody else did, you know. So I knew that wasn't good. That wasn't my, my thing. And, um, and I just wasn't ever going to get those things, I realized, because that's not what I was working for. That's not what was at my, my heart. And then this young man walked into our church. We'll call him Charles. And he helped me answer that question about what's at your heart. Or as Jesus put it, can you drink from my cup? Can you drink from my cup? Can you be baptized with my baptism? So Charles was a broken young man. He actually had been in ministry, had studied for it and started ministry, but put it down because of some of the brokenness in his life. And then he had gone through a divorce. He was in our community hoping to... Uh, to record something. He was trying to try the field of, of Christian contemporary music. And, and so he was trying that. And, and he was just a broken man. And uh, we spent some time together. We spent some time together. And, uh, and we got to talking. We learned each other's stories. Um, things happened in the congregation that I was serving. And uh, it, the door opened for him to become our youth minister. He began working with our youth. And began leading some mission with our youth, particularly with the immigrant population in our, in our community. Um, he did music, so he put together kind of a praise team from the community, and we launched a, a, a midweek contemporary uh, new worship service that was happening. And all of a sudden, there were, there were things happening and other ministries that we could connect with, and uh, another Spanish-speaking worship service happened. And all of a sudden, there was this kind of explosion of... of of kingdom kind of work happening all around us. And I, and I found out that's what my heart liked. I found that that's what my heart, when, when the kingdom kind of exploded and things began to happen, that's what was at my heart. I was not going to be the pastor of a grand church, but I was simply enjoying that work 
of helping other people be better and watching other people explode the work of the kingdom. Charles continued in ministry long beyond our time together and our relationship, and the kingdom began to explode from his life. I reflected and noticed that there was a couple of people that I had worked with as a counseling pastor as they were coming into the ministry and and coaching them in that ministry process that had gone on to do some marvelous things for God's kingdom. In fact, one of the uh, 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 second-career moms, you know, who was going into ministry, and I'm kind of coaching her along in her first appointment and that sort of thing, she became a, a leader in the United Methodist Church, even served as a district superintendent leading a whole area in, in our state. I've, I've worked with a friend who had his connection with a ministry that they were involved in with the orphanage and young people, and I, I introduced that ministry to my wife. And for 20 years, it's been the focus of her life in going to the Dominican Republic and, and those, helping those uh, children who are now a lot of male Latin young men who find my wife on Facebook and continue to talk to her all the time, you know. But the lives are changed and the kingdom explodes and people's lives are better. And I found out that's what's at my heart. I was never going to be the pastor of that grand church, but I was going to be a pastor with people who are doing great things for the kingdom. What's at your heart? Can you drink from the cup? Can you be baptized with that baptism? What stokes your passion? What, what moves you? What's at the, the heart that gets you up and gets you going? And you don't know? Good. Good. That means you're, you're, that's okay. That means you're open to what God might do and what God might work in you. But now you're going to ask, well, how do I discover what's at my heart? How do I figure that out? How do I discern what's at my heart? How do I discern that this is the cup that I drink from? Three simple things. Pray, give, serve. Pray, and I, I know a lot of times we think of prayer as, uh, um, you know, I got to give myself over to God, and I got to tell God, and I got to confess, and I got to ask God for this and push on this, and, and we spend all the time talking in prayer and never listening. That's not a good conversation. Pray and, and listen for the word of God, the movement of God, the nudge of God, the, the, the push of the Holy Spirit. Let room in your prayer for God to speak and God to move and the Holy Spirit to nudge you along in the right direction. The second thing about discovering where your heart is is give. Because the scripture says where your heart is, there you, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So give. And you'll find the engagement of your heart following right behind wherever you put your money, right? You're not going to put your money in something and not be invested in it. And so you, you give. You give to the, to the things that are of kingdom work and, and get that investment. You, you give. I serve on the board of the Florida United Methodist Children's Home. My wife loves to remind me, Rafe, this is a volunteer thing, you know, when it starts taking up a lot of my time. But one of the first things they tell you when you come on to the board of directors for this wonderful not-profit children's home of our United Methodist Church, the first thing they, they ask you for is your pledge to give directly to the children's home. Because if the board's going to be engaged, it's going to be engaged all the way down at the wallet level, right? And so they ask us to give. 
So giving is helping to discern and engage your heart to drink from that cup and serve. Sometimes you just got to do it. You got to get out there and you got to practice it and you got to do it and you got to serve. Pray, give, serve. And you can discover what's at the heart. What's at the heart for you and how you respond to God's love and what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Can you drink from that cup? You know, there's a, uh, a great uh, three-point shooter in the NBA named Steph Curry. And Steph Curry is just absolutely one of the best. And he teaches a master class on three-point shooting. So this is a guy who you know, can hit the, hit the basket from way far away. He's been MVP of the NBA. He's won, his team has won the NBA championship uh, a, a few times. He's one of the best, and he teaches a master class on NBA, on, I'm on a three-point shooting. And so if you take the master class online on three-point shooting, we'll all become MVP three-point shooters, right? Yeah, you've got to get out there and you've got to practice. Someone told me after the first service that they read that, that Steph Curry spent most of his life taking a thousand three-point shots a day. You've got to get out there and you've got to do it to find that connection, to find what's at your heart. You know, Gordon Ramsay teaches a master class. So you take Gordon Ramsay's master class and everybody's a chef, right? You'll be one of the best chefs in the world. You know, Dustin Hoffman teaches a master class on acting. So we take the master class and we become an actor, right? You know, you, you engage digitally uh, in worship or you come to a worship service and you listen to a pastor read scripture and, and babble a little bit and you're a full-fledged follower of Jesus Christ, right? Pray, give, serve, and you drink from the cup. Can you drink from my cup, Jesus says. There's something about that serving. James, yeah, he drank from the cup, and he was martyred, and he was killed. John had a fairly long life of suffering and serving and traveling and heartache and physical ache and pain and suffering. Yes, we can do what's at our very heart for the kingdom. But it's a heart that comes from serving. Because Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of the kingdom, the creators of the heaven and the earth, Jesus' response was, what can I do for you? How can I serve you today? What is at the heart of Jesus is serving. If you want to be great, then just lay it all down and serve. You want to be first? Become a slave. Become the least of all. Jesus comes back to this theme over and over again in his teachings. Serve. Pray. Spend time with God and listen to God. Give. Open up that money that we tend to hold so tight to and let it go with generosity and let generosity begin to be formed in your spirit. And serve. And serve. 
what can I do for you? How can I help you? Because the greatness is in serving. You find your way in your serving. You find what's at your very heart in your serving. Jesus Christ said it like this, what can I do for you? That's the example of our Savior that we follow. What can I do for you? I'm your server. How can I help you today? Amen. Amen. Most graceful God, we are grateful that we are the beneficiaries of the sacrificial service of Jesus Christ that we are the beneficiaries of a Savior who speaks into our lives by saying, what can I do for you today? We are the beneficiaries of, of you, God, coming in human form in order to serve and to be a slave and to die on our behalf. Oh, Lord, give us the courage to have the heart and the language and the giving of servants. Servants for the children of your kingdom. Amen. Amen. So as we respond to God's word, I'm sure you already know that I'm going to encourage you to pray, give, serve. Pray in ways that allows God room to speak and to nudge. Give with generosity. There's technology online or the baskets there or the little mail slot that you can drop your, your giving in. But give, 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 give. Let generosity be created in your heart and formed in your character. And serve. Serve whether it's unloading pumpkins or at the pumpkin patch engaging people during the, during the week, whether it's uh, packing food for the pack-a-sack or uh, many of the other types of ministries that we have going on. Because, yeah, yeah, today we're even doing Mission Church. In the other building, they're having church while their hands are moving and their feet are moving, packing stuff up. So serve. Pray, give, serve. And find out what God is doing in your heart. Let's uh, stand and sing together. They'll know we are Christians by our love. We are Christians by how we serve and how we give ourselves to one another.
Go now with the blessing and the assurance of a loving God who has come to you in Jesus Christ and ask how he can serve you. Go now. Go now and follow the example of the Savior and be a servant to all God's children. Amen. Amen. Thank you.